Hey guys, it's Tim Dormer. Welcome to the next episode of Pop Sugar, Australia's pilot season of Popcast. We're going to explore life after reality TV. I'm your host for the season. Uh, some of the most recognised and notable contestants from shows like Big Brother, The Bachelorette. We're all going to have them on joining me to talk about the impact of sudden fame. What happens when their 15 minutes was up, when the limelight dims? Uh, this episode got a treat for you. One of the reality TV star legends of Australia. 2004, uh, Brie Aimer was on Big Brother and you were wrongly evicted and put back into the house. I think that's the only time that's ever happened to someone in Australia in a reality TV show. Uh, you now work as a TV producer and so I, I'm really intrigued to hear about the process of working as a reality star in front of camera to then going behind camera as a producer on some of Australia's biggest reality TV shows. So we've got a lot to talk about today. Welcome to the show, Brie. Thanks, Timmy. Thanks for having me. You say Timmy because we can't lie. We should just say straight up, we do know each other quite well. You, you're like my big sister in the Big Brother world, I guess, <laughs> of reality TV. Like, we knew each other before I did the show. We actually worked together in, mm. in radio. So, this is an interesting conversation, I think, ahead. because it's, it's strange to be sitting here in a radio studio with you because this is where it all started. This is where our love affair started, Tim. Let's go right back to the beginning. 2004, you were on Big Brother. That was, yeah. what, the third season of the show in Australia? Fourth. Was it? Fourth. It feels like it was about 100 years ago. What was what? That's 14 years ago. My yeah. gosh. You've had an entire lifetime since the show. Mm, that's yeah. practically how old I was when I went on it. 14. <laughs> how old were you? No, I was 21. 21. So you're just a baby. But that was like right in the prime of Big Brother in Australia. Like it, it was kind of hysteria, people watching the show then. and Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah, it really was. I mean, I remember the finales back then were rating like, you know, three and a half million, which shows just don't get now. No, in, no. In general. Um, and it was, it was, it had come out from the UK. It was, you know, there wasn't a lot of reality TV around then. So Big Brother was kind of, you know, I remember there was like the Hot House and a couple of other mm. um, shows that were just kind of kicking off. Um, but as far as reality TV went, Big Brother was the kingpin back then. So, yeah, it used to, it was, it was hysteria. What made you want to go on it as a contestant? <laughs> <laughs> Good question. Uh, look, I just, I really enjoyed watching the show. I loved the human experiment side of it. I think I always watched it one wondering how I would handle that situation. And then I came to this really weird crossroads in my life. I was temporarily fired <laughs> from a job at Dracula's oh, on the Gold Coast. The, yeah, the theatre yeah. restaurant. Okay. Long story, but I was fired for something I didn't do and they later then found that out and asked me to come back. Oh, right. Um, yeah. And we're like, oh, sorry about that. But in the meantime, I went and was working at Hard Rock Cafe. Could yeah. I get any more Gold, Gold Coast? Gold Coast, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I hated it and I was miserable and I was like, oh, what am I going to do with my life? And then this night I was walking from my from Hard Rock back to my car and this guy in the middle of Surface Paradise was drunk and passed out on my on my, the bonnet of my car. Yeah. And I, I'm like, mate, get off. Yeah. And then realised, oh, that's so weird. That's that guy from Big Brother. And the next day... <laughs> passed out on your car bonnet. Passed out on my car bonnet. And the next day I saw that Big Brother was looking for applications and I was like, it's a sign. <laughs> this is what happens after Big Brother. You could become I could be on someone's out. bonnet. Yeah. <laughs> that story in itself, I, I think the podcast is over. This is life after reality TV. One season later, you're drunk on, on the next <laughs> yeah. contestant's car. And so it was really funny. So anyway, Anyway, I sent in an application video and it was like 
two weeks after the cutoff date yeah. that they were meant to be in by, and I was like, oh, I've got no chance. Um, and yeah, then here we are. Turns out I did have a chance. So back then, reality TV was was fresher in all our minds, and I must—you must have just thought it was an amazing opportunity. Is that kind of the vibe you were feeling? Yeah, and so, and I was also at Dracula's, so you know, I had the entertainment bug already. But I swear to you, I did not go in on that show ever expecting to get anything out of it. If I was to sum it up, I'd say I went on there because I was bored. Yeah, and I went on there for a life experience, and never did I expect to get anything beyond that. Yeah. So anything that did come my way was just a bonus. Yeah, that, that is a great attitude, which I think nowadays we don't see too much with reality TV contestants. I think we're all aware of what happens on the other side of it. And I guess the other missing ingredient in 2004 was there was no social media. No. So, Thank God. Yeah. I, I was going to ask, how do you think your experience during and after the show would have changed had social media been around? Well... I feel like I dodged a big bullet, to be honest. I don't know how I would handle that now. I remember there was Behind Big Brother, which was like a forum, Mm -hmm. um, which I think was still there when you did Mm. it. Like, it continued on for years. And people used to go on and, like, slag people off on the forum. And I thought that was awful. And there was probably, like, a few thousand people on that as opposed to a few million on social media. And I also remember, like, coming out the... Uh, camera phones had just come out. How old do I sound when I say that? (laughs) Camera phones had just come out. Um, And I remember at the time thinking, oh, life would have been so much easier if camera phones weren't invented because people all of a sudden on the streets everywhere had cameras and it was a novelty and wanted to take photos and stuff. And, you know, I remember thinking, oh, this is so hard because camera phones (laughs) (laughs) Imagine if social media had been around. I would have melted down. Yeah, but you would have become Insta-famous. And who knows what would have happened? Would have been as famous as you, Tim. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> no, I. I mean, you did go on to work in the industry as talent on air. You you hosted a mm. spin-off show for for Big Brother, the Friday Night Games. Yeah. Um. And so quite quickly, you went from becoming contestant to, I guess, working in the media industry. Mm. And and you still work now behind camera as a producer. Uh, let's talk about the process of. I mean, was that just a natural progression? You were saying you didn't go on the show to mm. find fame or work in the industry, but you fell into that. Yeah. How did that come about? Um, well, I mean, f- for us back then as well, it was slightly different, I think, as to what it was for you. We used to do these weird nightclub appearances mm. after the show, and so you'd get paid <laughs> to like turn up to these nightclubs and... They'd probably get you on stage for a minute and ask you a few questions. Yeah. And they'd promote that they had Big Brother contestants there. Yeah. And so that went on for like six months. Like it was wow. in, in, insane. Yeah. And fun. Yeah. You know, it was a re- and as a 21 year old, like that was great. And so then that was just kind of starting to wind up. And I was thinking of, you know, well, what am I going to do um, now? And then I was approached by Big Brother to do the first ever episode of Friday Night Live and I, Fitzy and Mike Goldman were the hosts and Mm -hmm. I was a special guest. Oh, yeah. And they said, you know, it's just a one-off and so I came and did the show and then the next week, I think it was the Friday, 
Yeah, it was. It was the Friday afternoon before the Friday night show. And one of them rang me and were like, oh, it's just not working with just the two of them. Can you come back? And so then it was kind of a week by week thing for wow. the first few weeks. And then eventually they were like, oh, no, we're going to keep here permanently, um, which was cool. It was really good. And, yeah, that turned into, you know, something huge all of its own like Friday Night Live was such a fun show it was so it's a knockout mm. it was really family friendly yeah um we then did the spin-off Friday Night Games which was a celebrity version and then we did Download which was um like a YouTube yeah, style yeah, yeah funniest home videos yeah so we ended up doing a fair few shows together over the years and that kind of went on for you know about six years or something yeah wow um yeah I did another show do you remember that <laughs> Yasmin's getting married. It's like went down oh, in history yeah. as a show that bombed the quickest. What did you do on that? <laughs> what did you do on that? I was one of the panellists on it. And it was meant to be like weeks and weeks and weeks. It's like it's so funny because it's now like in in TV land, people refer to Yasmin's getting married when you want to talk about the biggest disaster of television yeah, history. Yeah, right. Oh. And it was axed after three episodes. So I did uh, that one too. <laughs> But, I mean, for someone who didn't go in wanting a job in the industry mm. to then have, what, like years of, of being on camera, yeah. Big Brother, a reality TV, provided a great opportunity for work for you. Yeah. yeah. Like, I look at it really as a great adventure. You know, it did. It it, it took me on a different trajectory, um, but within the same industry that I was already kind, yeah. of, kind of in. So, uh, you know, I'm really grateful and feel nothing but fortunate for what, Big Brother brought into my life. Yeah. It was years of an amazing career, travelling around Australia a lot. I've, you know, seen corners of this country that I never would have seen if it wasn't for that show. And, yeah, I just I loved every minute of it. Great. Well, before we uh, move on to your time now as a producer, I want to ask about the moment that you were evicted from Big Brother. I can remember, Brie, watching your eviction uh, in my parents' lounge room because they didn't like Big Brother, but I loved it. And I can remember the, the, the moment, the hysteria around your eviction and the days that followed because something went wrong. Mm. They got the votes wrong and you were actually put back into the house. Now, I can only imagine what that felt like for you. Can you run us through th- those moments? Mm. Um, yeah, so I think it was at about the eight-week mark. Uh, and back then I think the show went for about three and a half months. Mm. And, uh, yeah, so I got evicted, went out, had my entire eviction show, you know, like they gave me a car, <laughs> gave, me, <laughs> gave me like some phones and some shampoo. <laughs> and, oh, I didn't get those sort of prizes. You know, <laughs> Gretel, you know, did the interview and I got to see all the, you know, fabulous and embarrassing things that I'd done. And then I went off uh, stage and they quickly used to usher you off and put take you to kind of an after party thing with all mm. your friends and family. So, you know, my, my, my mom was there, my, you know, my best friends, my brother and Actually, actually, no, they took me off first and had a debrief with a psychologist. And he took Bree me... to the diary room. <laughs> pretty much. And he took me up to a, a hotel, my hotel room and he said, oh, I've just brought someone as a witness. And I was like, what's going to what? happen here? Yeah, and he was like, oh, we've, we've just found out through Legion Interactive, which was the phone company, that there's been a mistake mm. and you weren't meant to be evicted. And I was like, oh, that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> I seriously remember you that's what I said. You are playing good sport. You're like, I've well, had my fun. I'll yeah, go home. I'd been drinking cocktails for 
for two hours with my friends. I yeah. was like, whatever, I'm having the best night ever. And he was like, well, no, we need to figure out what to do about it. And I was like, don't worry about it. It's fine. <laughs> and he said, no, you could sue us because you could have won a yeah. million dollars. Oh, that's right. Your prize was a million dollars. Yes. Wow. Jealousy in your voice then. Yeah, I got excited. <laughs> So the stakes were quite high. Yeah, okay, and, and so you're like, like, get you me could, back in there. You could sue us. And I was like, no, I won't. Don't worry about it. And anyway, I took a fair bit of convincing. And and eventually they were like, no, we want you to go back in tomorrow. Wow. Um, so they immediately put me back into lockdown. Mm. Um, so all my friends and family were still out there at the party. So it was a bit like, you know what it's like when you've been in there for so long. Um, and anyway, then I went back in the next day, which was really weird because I think everyone was very suspicious of the whole situation. And so... Within the house. Yeah. 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 And and something that actually, the week that I got evicted, we happened to all be up for eviction that week. They just put us all up. Mm -hmm. And so, therefore, they never played back who had nominated me at the eviction um, on the eviction. Right. But as soon as I went in, they were all paranoid because they all thought that I had seen that. So... As much as people were like, oh, yeah, you're back. And I'm sure some people hated that I was back. But there was just this paranoia. And so yeah. there was this weird kind of vibe. And I hadn't slept because I'd been awake all night, like, yep. processing what was going on. The emotional roller coaster yeah. of seeing your family and then yeah. having to go straight back. So yeah. I went in and, like, literally went bonkers the first night. And I think I cried half the night and, because I just didn't know... Yeah, I just didn't know if I'd made the right decision, so to speak, and it was, I was just tired and emotional. That's a crazy moment because I think um, Big Brother's unique, but I specifically remember leaving the house and mm. it's the feeling of, I guess, you're you're leaving jail. Like, yeah. you're, you're free and you've got the, all this anticipation about what life now is going to be like. Mm. You've got a sense of that and then straight back. That must have been really tough. It was. Oh, but look, I mean, as well... I mean, you put it in perspective, it's not like it's a really hard life moment. But at the time when that is your world yeah. and you're so, um, yeah. you know, you're so engrossed in that experience, it definitely messes with your head a little bit. Well, and it yeah. took me a few days to get back into the swing of being in there. You stayed on the show and you ended up placing second mm. to the million dollars. Mm-hmm. How do you think the experience of uh, being taken out and then putting back in affected your um, how you placed on the show? Well, I guess I'll never know, but I definitely think it probably had a positive effect on that. So, Brie, how did you find actually the experience of reality TV, living in that Big Brother house for three and a half months without yeah. your phone, TV, news? I loved it. Actually, I honestly had one of the best times of my life. Um, I think I did it at a perfect time in my life. I was 21, I was single, you know, no kids, no huge career to kind of Mm -hmm. worry about. So I went in there with no concerns and no worries about anything on Mm. the outside. And for me, it was just, it was this really fun holiday. And I've never laughed so much in my life as I did in there. And it was so great disconnecting from TV, from phones, not that we were anywhere near as heads in our phones yeah. as what we are now back then, but still having no phone, no contact. You know, I compare it to going back to school. Mm. Like, no responsibility. Your food arrives for you. You don't have to go to the shop. You get called to the principal's office pretty much. You know, it's just... I, as an adult, I don't think you can get that experience in any mm. other way in your life. And 
I just loved it because I embraced it for what it was, I think. Yeah, that sounds very similar to my experience, that having no responsibility to go back to after the experience. You mm. kind of weren't worried about things. Do you think people who have got kids or maybe a a career outside of reality TV, the risk is a lot higher to put yourself out there on camera? So it's, it's not going to be as fun because you're constantly thinking about or missing someone or yeah you know missing a partner or missing your kids and feeling guilty about being away from your kids and you know stuff I I know there was a mum in my series and as much as she had the time of her life it was always tinged by the fact that she had this horrible guilt and was worrying about her little kids missing her Mm. so yeah look I loved it and of course it was hard um at times and you're living with people that some great on you, but I, I was pretty fortunate. Like back then, they really cast these shows for entertainment mm-hmm. rather than to create fiction. With, friction, sorry. Yeah, so I I had a great group of people. Like none of us showered naked. I think one girl did, but then eventually put her clothes back on anyway. <laughs> uh, none of us showered naked. There was not even a kiss. I don't think wow. in our series there was no hookups. So really, it's probably a producer's worst nightmare. They were probably yeah. pulling their hair out. But yet it. You know, it was apparently one of the highest rating and one of the most entertaining. And I think it's because there were big personalities in there. Like we had the we had Fitzy in there. Yeah. Um. You know, we had Trevor who won the series, the Fijian guy. Yeah. Um, he was a bit of a prankster. Yeah. You know, there was it was big big so personalities. So why do you think then it did change? Why did they start casting uh, for friction? Well, I suppose they're going off what people like to watch, and as much as people claim that they don't like to hate someone on a show, they do. And those Mm. episodes rate the highest. Yeah. So I guess if that's what people are wanting to watch, then that's what they're going to put on TV. But also you can't just have the same thing year after year after year. Mm. So you can't just put likeable people every year in the house or it's going to get boring. So, of course, you've got to mix it up. So fascinating hearing you speak. You've got insight that I don't think a lot of contestants would have, and I think that comes from your producing experience. (laughs) I feel as though the early Mm. days of Big Brother and reality... TV, they would. They'd cast interesting people, yeah. put them together and just roll tape and, and watch what happened. it was just happened. them living in a house. Yeah. I loved watching people just live and get along. Well, that was but the social But maybe that was experiment. boring. Yeah, it feels like the older days of reality TV were more about, you know, them just being themselves and things unfolding naturally. Well, I guess um, that's what we're here to talk about is, is the changing nature of reality TV and, I mean, shows like Unreal are introducing audiences to what does go on behind mm. the camera. I do think it's as well, it, it, it is as well that people are smartening up and I think it's really hard to find people now for reality TV who aren't reality TV savvy and think they have to be a certain way. And so Mm, I think, mm. you know, people have watched too much reality TV and I think have a preconceived idea about it. So maybe it's the fact that it's getting harder to find real people or that real people like that aren't applying as much. I want to ask you about street casting. (laughs) Um, Because I guess when we watch reality TV, we think that the contestants have always applied themselves. But that's not always the case. Sometimes they were plucked from the street doing whatever they were doing by a producer um, because they are naturally interesting. You've done this sort of work yourself. What mm. what are you looking for as a producer when you're out in the street? Well, it depends on the show. 
I mean, it's it's different for every show. Like, if you're on a cooking show, obviously you're going to be going to things like food festivals where you're looking for people because you know that they're going to be foodies. And so are you just looking for anyone or are you given a brief by someone? It's- no, it's not that specific. I mean, at the end of the day... You- like I said, depending... Okay, for example, if it was a renovation show, you'd probably go to, like, uh, Bunnings or something and look for people or a home a home expo yeah. or something like that. So, really, it's about talking to masses of people yeah. and trying to find people who fit the show. What do you say to them when you go up to someone? Like, I mean, when you say, would you like to be in a reality TV show? I mean, and most of them like lose. roll their eyes and yeah. think they're about to try and sell them something. <laughs> um, well, no, you, I think you just explain who you are and then and what you're looking for and see if it's anything that they've ever thought of doing before or if it's something they could be interested in. Yeah. And it's just starting a conversation really and explaining to them um, exactly what you're there for and what, what you're selling so Mm. to speak um and i think within a few minutes you know first of all if they're genuinely interested or Mm -hmm. if um they're going to be entertained yeah yeah do you think um casting that way um you might find more natural talent than people who are signing up for a show i mean people do the rounds and um just want to get on television yeah look definitely um street casting is uh, it's a hard work. There's a lot of hours that go into trying to find that. Mm-hmm. But like you said, you might it might be a really different type of person to someone who would apply for a show. So it usually ends up being worthwhile mm. um, putting those hours into it. Yeah, right. Um, when you do find someone or, or say... Talk us through the casting process of once you found someone to then a contestant's on a show and you're are you invested in in their progress on the show? Do you look after <laughs> them? Do you feel guilt over what sometimes happens? Look, I'm probably I do get quite invested in it, but I think um I think that's partly because I relate from both sides. Mm. I think that's both a blessing and a curse in the job that I do because I probably um, sympathise a little bit too much at times with them. Um, And also I get, yeah, I do. I do get attached a little bit. Like I remember, you know, especially in MKR days and stuff, people that I'd cast, I'd find myself sitting at home kind of barracking for. Yeah. (laughs) Because you want them to go well. But that's because you've developed some sort of personal relationship with them because you've spoken to them for months, you know, throughout the casting process. Have you seen people that... um didn't perform how you thought they would. Yeah, of course. Like some people um, are a lot better than you ever could have hoped um, and some people probably may let the pressure get to them or may clam up a bit when there's a camera in their face or, you know. Uh, but generally, generally people are what they claim they are. Um, and it's an interesting thing, you know, like a lot of, a lot. you would have heard this a million times, but like, you know, a lot, and I got this in my series of Big Brother, like there was a few people in my series that were like, oh, the editing, it's made me look like, mm. you know, this horrible person and I'm not. And it really drives me crazy because, you know, I watched a fair bit of my series years later and I think everyone was represented exactly like they were. Yeah, right. And I really think that the people who come out and claim and like point fingers and lay blame on the show just don't have any self-awareness mm-hmm. as to what they actually are like and mm. then can't handle it when a mirror is held up to them. So it's it's not quite 
like we see it on Unreal. But you think people are represented quite fairly and true to self. Yeah. Look, Unreal is very dramatic and, mm. and it's fictional. Like, let's keep that in mind. But surely look, there, there are some similar. Yeah. Like, I'll watch it sometimes and I'll laugh and I'll go, oh, that's funny. Like, that's a little bit like this. But... I, I imagine that it, you know it's roughly based on real producing, but uh, look, I definitely think people are represented in a fair light because you can't force someone to say anything, and you can't show something that someone hasn't said. So true. You know, it may. I remember a girl in my series, a Big Brother, saying, "You know, they made me look like a psycho and like I cried all day." And in reality, she did cry half the day. <laughs> the show only went for an hour, so you can't show the times that she was sitting there doing a makeup and she was fine because people had switched off and it's boring. Yeah. So they they showed, you know, the the times where she was crying and blowing up and she then feels like that's unfair because they didn't show the 10 minutes mm. that she was fine. Um, but you can't you can't just pull something out. Like, people have to take responsibility but, for things that they said and done. And that's what people need to understand when they sign up for stuff like this. Yeah. You know, you if, if you're going to stand there and argue with someone, do you think they're going to show you brushing your teeth instead of that? Yeah, you can't pick and choose as a contestant what parts they do And so therefore show. you need to yeah. just own your behaviour. It must get frustrating, though, as a producer. You need to create the drama. You need to create this show, this storyline. But what if this person is not giving you what you need? What do you do as a producer? Well, that happens a lot. Like... It happens all the time because it depends on the mood that the person's in that day. Like, it depends on a whole heap of, of, of different factors, I guess. And, you know, if, if a situation happens, then multiple different people might see that from different perspectives, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So, I mean, I guess it's just trying to unravel the story and make it easy to follow for the mm. viewers. Okay, Bree, so we've talked about uh, your time on Big Brother, a bit of working then behind the scenes on reality TV shows. What's your personal life like now after doing reality TV? Like 14 years on, hmm. do you have regrets? No, not at all. I mean, I I say I'd do it again in a heartbeat, but right now I wouldn't do it at this point in my life um, because I've got a baby and husband and a career, but I definitely would do it again um, you know, if I was in the position I was back then. But, yeah, so, I, you know, I do a lot of um, casting now in TV, do a bit of producing as well, um, which I love. It's a great job. I met my husband that way. He's in TV as well. Um, he's a producer as well. Yeah, and I've got a one-year-old little boy called Hunter. Um, so I'm on maternity leave at the moment. I live down the road from you. Yeah. <laughs> what, what are you... Um how is your relationship with fans, I guess, of the show of Big Brother? And do you still get recognised and how do you make sense of that all now? Um, yeah, look, it's weird. It goes through phases. Like sometimes, you know, I won't get it for days or weeks and then all of a sudden there'll be a patch where I'll get five people in a day saying, you know, aren't you that girl? Um, or they more, more often than not they'll go, didn't we go to school together? <laughs> <laughs> or something like that. Um uh, look, to be honest, uh, it still it blows me away that people even still remember. So more than anything, I, I get a shock when people still say something. But generally, people who watch Big Brother were diehard fans. So, you know, you get nothing but positive um, comments. Yeah, right. Um, How yeah. did you deal with the nature of, of the 15 minutes sort of fading? Like you did work 
on TV for a, yeah. a good sort of like four to five years in the industry. Yeah. It was probably a bit, bit of a slow fade for me as opposed to some people, I think because I was still dabbling in, in TV for a lot of years. Um, but, it, look, I never felt like I had that big fall from fame. Um I ended up purposely going into the production side of things and leaving presenting, Mm -hmm. um, which was a conscious decision for me. It was mainly because, you know, it was unstable. It was really hard not knowing when your next gig was going to come. I didn't deal with that side of it. Like, I like a bit more stability than what that career was giving me. Um, And I was just kind of done with that side of the fame side of, of it. What do you mean done? Well, I mean, you know what? You know what it's like. It's yeah. It's very invasive, um, and I think it becomes exhausting. It, yeah, doesn't it? it was kind You're of just- exhausting, and I have nothing bad to say about that because I totally bought that on myself, and I never expected the level of interest in me when I got out. Like it was, and that whole overnight fame thing. It was really hard to deal with, especially back then. I think when, like you said, it was in the Big Brother heyday. It was like. Bit hysterical, like, and I remember they gave us security guards when we wow. first came out. Twenty four hours a day, they used to stand outside the toilet because and check our food when room service came. Wow. And it was really full on, and they gave us that for like two weeks, and then you kind of left to your own devices. And as much as ninety five percent of people were really positive and just came up to say hello and things like that, then you did occasionally get, you know, the negative side of it. I remember having a whole jug of beer poured over my head while I was standing at a bar ordering a drink one night wow. on the Gold what? Coast. Like guy, That guy was like, you're that chick from Big Brother and poured a jug of beer over my wow. head just to make his mates laugh and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. So, you know, there is the downsides along with the really, like I said, 95% of people were yeah. great. But I think dealing with all of that for years and years, like, you know, I think once Friday Night Live and everything was finished, this has been going on for seven years. And so I think, yeah, it was a really conscious decision to go, okay, I've had my fun, I've done that time. Now I want to do something and have a bit more of a stable career. Yeah. Um, and that's when I went into casting and, and producing. And I really have not looked back. Like I love my job um, and, you know, I'm still in that same field and I find it so interesting. Yeah. I mean, you love reality TV. I do. And, and it's been a mm. smooth transition from on camera to behind. Yeah. Yeah. I do. I, I really, really like it. I, I think, you know, um, it's – I love watching people. I like real people. I like, you know, shows that um, give us an insight into people's lives and it's something that's always interested me and yeah. I still get to see it now. Yeah. And I've got to say, like, on – on tape, like, thank you. You've been such a good friend to me through my entire reality Aww. TV process. And, I mean, it was only a month or so ago I was in your house crying going, at what point do you say I've had enough of this yeah. ride that I've been on and how do yeah. you get off it? Mm. And I don't want to get emotional now, but it is a hard process and you're down that path a bit mm. further from me. And I think that there's a lot of people in Australia who have gone through reality TV now where... There's no one waiting for you when the 15 minutes of fame is up besides your friends and family. And mm. it is it's it is really important to have those relationships that sort of welcome you back into your normal life, <laughs> whether the ride is 15 minutes, whether it's five years. Mm. And I think it's important to keep perspective and know what is important. I think some people, especially now with the social media side of it, get really addicted 
to yeah. the fame and the attention. Yeah. And it's just not what's important in life. Yeah. You know, like you said, your friends, your family, everything else. Um, and that definitely comes not even mm. second. <laughs> not mm. even second. That's way back there. Yeah. But yeah. You, you look at you. You're still killing it. Uh-huh. Oh, thanks, Bree. <laughs> um, tell us what matters to you now. Like, what are some of the life lessons and, and, and what is of mm. the most value that you've, you've done and learnt? Oh, that's a deep question. <laughs> no, look, what's important to me now is definitely my friends and family. Um, my little boy who just brings so much joy to my life. Like, I'm just obsessed with him. That yeah. poor kid is just going to grow up and be like, oh, you're so embarrassing. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I live in Sydney now. I love my city, the lifestyle, um, and a lot of my friends that are down here. And that's definitely, you know, I think... That's what keeps you grounded. That's what, um, when you have that to come home to every day, like that's what's important and just surround yourself with good people and positivity. Lovely. Well, it's been a pleasure chatting with you, Bree. <gasps> you too, Timmy. I want to interview you now. <laughs> Thanks so much, Bree. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on Thanks the show. Thanks for having me. It's been nice rehashing these old memories that I haven't spoken about for years. Oh, yeah. Some of them, let's leave forgotten in the past. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys, we've reached the end of this episode. Thanks for everyone listening. This podcast is available on iTunes, Acast and all the places you normally listen to your podcasts. 